So this morning, uh, we are continuing our series on exploring um, the theology behind some classic Christmas carols that we sing during the season. And today we're going to look at a song called Away in a Manger. How many of you would say that's your favorite Christmas carol? Okay, a few of you will be singing that here um, in just a little bit. But the lyrics go like this, Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky and stay by my side till morning is nigh. So this song um, was first published in the Lutheran Sunday School curriculum in 1885. And there's a lot of controversy about who wrote the lyrics to this song. In fact, for many years, people thought that the composer was Martin Luther, like the father of the Protestant, of the Great Reformation. Um, but after more study and and other people looking at it, they actually say that they don't believe that Martin Luther wrote this song. It has a little bit more of an American tone to it. And so the author is left unknown. So no one actually knows exactly who wrote this song that we sing almost every Christmas. Now, this song is obviously describing, it talks about the cattles are lowing and there's no crib for a bed. It's describing that night where Jesus was born in the stable. And the lyric that I want to focus on today is what they actually call Jesus in this Christmas carol and what they actually name him. And what they say is he's what? The little Lord Jesus, right? Say that out loud, would you? The little Lord Jesus. That's what they call him. So Jesus is painted in this particular um, Christmas carol as fragile, unassuming, harmless. The little Lord Jesus and this is an accurate description of Christ. I love what Pastor Don shared during his prayer, that Jesus was in fact little when he was born to the earth. He had all the qualities of a baby. But also, Jesus was in fact Lord. And as Pastor Don described, there were some years that Christ was wrapped in all of humanity, and, and he was a baby, and then he was a toddler, and then he was a teenager, and then he finally was an adult, and he needed fed and clothed and bathed and attended to, and, and as a teenager, probably reminded to shower. You know, all of those things that happen as we grow up. But even in those moments, those ordinary life things, Jesus was still Lord. And I think it's really hard to get our minds around that sometimes. That Jesus is Lord. He was Lord when he was born in a stable as a tiny baby to Mary and Joseph. He is Lord now, in these last few fleeting days of 2018. Jesus was Lord, he is Lord, and he will forever be Lord. He was and he is, and he is to come. He will be Lord in 2019 as we, as we plow into this new year. In fact, 740 times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as Lord. At the very mention of the Savior's birth, as soon as Jesus was born, we see in the scripture he's called Lord. I want to look in Luke 2. The shepherds are watching the flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared, and the, but the angel said to them, verse 10, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. What does it say right there? The Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. I believe that, that God really wanted us to see, yes, he is a baby in a manger wrapped in clothes, but he is also the Lord. He is also the Lord. From the moment that he arrived on the scene, he is Lord. Who is this baby? He is Christ the Lord. So what does that mean for us? If Jesus is Lord, what does that mean in our everyday, ordinary, Christ-following lives? If we're married, what does Jesus being Lord mean in our marriage? If we're finishing finals, what does Jesus being Lord mean for us? If we're dealing with a late car payment or wrestling through a difficult family issue, what does that mean? And what does it mean to make Jesus the Lord of your life? What does that actually look like? Well, there's a, a Greek word that's translated as Lord. So in the scripture, it's this word kurios. And this word means supreme in authority or controller of all things. When the word Lord is mentioned in the scripture, some of that, those 740 times, this is the Greek word that is used for it. And some of us have a harder time with Jesus being in control of our lives than others. Uh, most of us often have a hard time uh, giving Jesus the right to our lives than we care to admit. Um, in fact, I think frequently, quite literally, we are in competition with the Spirit of God and don't even know it. Trying to, like a tug of war, yank the, the, the control out of his hands. I'll take care of this one. I can handle this one. You deal with that one. I'll give you all the impossible things, but the things that I can deal with, I'll take. I can do it. And we try to, to create the outcome of our lives so often, sometimes without even knowing it. And so I think the first step uh, to come to grips with our control issue as all of humanity is just by admitting that we have one. I think it comes in shapes and, and sizes and levels and, and, and when you won't let your wife drive the car, even if you're you know, going to the place where it would make sense for your wife to drive the car, you might have a control issue. I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that was a joke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Joel and I were talking about that this week. He said, if you drive the car, I just sit there and judge you the way you're driving the car the whole time. I might as well just drive the car myself. I say, okay, <laughs> all right. So here are some photos <laughs> that might reveal to you, I wanna do a little control freak test. Okay, are you ready for it? Control freak test? All right, I'm gonna show you a few photos and uh, you can just tell me your control freak tendencies based on these photos. Picture number one. How bad does this picture bother you? All right, how about this one? Does this cause you, you can do the next picture, does this just cause you outrage internally? Like you just wanna rip the label off? Anybody, will anybody not use the relish? I mean, just like ban the relish because you did not obey. All right, how about number three? How many of you would fish out the blue sprinkle? just to return it to its rightful container. Raise your hand, just raise your hand. Oh my word, out here, all right. All right, how about this one? Now all of these light switches are in the off position. How bad would this bother you if this was in your house? Would, I, <laughs> would anyone call the electrician and rewire, rewire, okay. Uh, number five, this is the last one. Uh, how many of you would drive back home to change this sweater, even if it just happened, like you're on the way to work and you just go home, or do you just put a little tape on it and just do it? 
deal with the day. All right. <laughs> those are, that's good. Or if you drive the car all the time, you can add one of those in. You may be, you might be a control freak if. You know, on a little bit more serious note, when we are struggling to let go of control, uh, we often are easily annoyed with those who also exhibit control issues. Um, so that coworker who's bossy and always tries to take over the meeting, or that person, someone, someone really identified with that, or that person who interrupts you all the time, or your friend who you are constantly describing, she is just so controlling. The people that are most often bothered by controlling people are usually trying to control the situation, trying to struggle with it themselves. But when we're in this cycle of trying to keep control of our lives, we often respond angrily when someone doesn't meet our expectations, or we inwardly sort of seethe when someone gets what we wish we had, but we weren't able to control the outcome to get it. Anxiety and fear can also rear their ugly head as a byproduct of control. Uh, we can feel anxious or fearful because things are just not quite, we can't get our arms around that area of our life. If you tend to worry about germs and symptoms and safety precautions, or you obsess over family members about what they might be saying or what your boss might be thinking, or maybe you imagine the worst when your teenagers 10 minutes later, or when your husband doesn't answer the phone, you begin to get suspicious. These are all kind of controlling things that when they seep into our lives, they can really affect our every day. They can literally affect how we uh, filter and process people's motives in our life. And the same thing goes for our relationship with Jesus. If God seems like he's too far away to notice you or hear your prayer, or maybe you feel like God is indifferent or apathetic or disinterested in the concern for you or things that matter to you, that might be because you are holding on to the spirit of control and you want to control how God responds to you. Now, trying to keep control is not only impossible, but it's not a burden that God designed for us to carry. He knows that a life spent battling for control will only cause us to become fretful and frantic and explosive and, and nagging and, and simply miserable. And so the solution, it sounds simple. In fact, I was able to package it into just one simple word, but, but I'll be honest with you, I believe that it will be the fight of our lives to choose it because it is not our natural response but the only way to get out of the net of control is to surrender. The only way to get out of the net of the control is to surrender. Surrendering to God is the way to free yourself from your heart's appetite for control. And it involves laying down your expectations for how everything is going to turn out in the end. Some of you need to hear this today because you have expectations for tomorrow and Tuesday. And you are going to be terribly disappointed and miserable on Wednesday if you don't lay down your expectations of how exactly these next 48 hours are going to go. It means trusting that God can see further and deeper down the road than we ever could. And so we don't need to try to control everyone's circumstances and responses to us. It's interesting because freedom is not a word that you often link to surrender, right? If you surrender, if you relinquish control over something, you give it away. For example, when the police are chasing you and you surrender, 
they take you to a place where there is no freedom, <laughs> right? They take you to jail. There is no freedom there. In most cases, surrendering is just throwing your hands in the air and just saying, okay, I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm not going to try to control this. I'm just going to completely surrender. You just do what you need to do. Surrender doesn't bring freedom in the way that we think about it. It brings a subject to someone else. Waving the white flag of surrender invites someone else to be in control of your destiny. It invites someone else to be in control of your days and in your moments. And the kingdom of God has a lot of paradoxes, and this is one of them. In the kingdom of God, the only way to be free is to surrender. The only way to be free is to surrender. So how do we get ourselves there? How do we live just with our arms in the air all the time, saying, God, I surrender to you. This is all yours every moment of my life. You just do what you want with it. Well, I believe Jesus talks about this in the scripture, and I want to bring us to Luke 9, 23, just a few chapters after the, the birth of Jesus, but it, it has evolved many years, and Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he explains to them in Luke 9, 23, he says to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, the, the phrase deny yourself, it literally means this, to completely disown or utterly separate oneself from someone. So it means to, to take all of your selfish and prideful thoughts and actions and push back against them. To not let the voices of culture win the war with your thought life. To stop listening to your own voice above God's and to stop trying to figure out how everything I do benefits me or my family or my life or my agenda. To literally uh, decide that you're going to put yourself second or third or fourth or fifth and to stop leaning on your own power and, and to literally stop feeling entitled to anything. When I truly deny myself, I have no will but God's will. I have no plans but his plans. I have no wants but what he wants for me. And I can give up all my rights and relinquish all control of my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. John 15, five talks about this kind of life. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. So what Jesus is saying over and over is a soul full of surrender is actually a soul full of freedom. A soul full of surrender is actually a soul full of freedom. And that's our takeaway today. That's what I want you to leave here saying to yourself, okay, what did we talk about today? We talked about this. A soul full of surrender is a soul full of freedom. Our soul needs to live in the truth that apart from God, we can't do anything. We will mess it all up. When we try to control our lives, we will make a mess of things. Is there an amen out there anywhere? Does anyone feel like they would agree with that? But what God is saying is that we can do nothing apart from him. Now you might say, man, that is a big ask. Like to, to, for the Lord to say to me, I want everything, every thought, every emotion your children, your relationship, your job, the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time, I want all of that. That is a big ask. And in the scripture, Jesus is not shy in being very clear about how much it would cost to follow him. Jesus did not water down this message to draw a crowd. 
In fact, I want you to know that Jesus often found himself successful when he dispersed the crowd because after he told them how much it would cost to follow him and they ran away, I think he thought, my job is done. Now they know. Now they can go make a decision, a very clear decision, because there will be a high cost of following Jesus. But Jesus wanted them to know that it would not be cheap and it would not be easy to be his disciple. But boy, would it be worth it. Being a disciple of Jesus, making Jesus Lord of our lives, isn't cheap and it isn't easy. But it is absolutely the only way to have a soul full of freedom. It's the only way that Christ wants us to live our lives on earth full of life and abundance and full of joy and peace and grace and all of those fruits of the Spirit. Now, if you're suspicious of God's motives or you question whether he cares, you won't surrender to him. That wouldn't even make sense to surrender to someone that you don't trust or love. Why would you let them have all the say in what you do with your time and, and what you do with your life? But when we see God as both sovereign over all, all creation and lovingly in the middle of the details of our everyday life, we will choose to surrender him. And that's what the lyricist of Away in the Manger, whoever it was, I believe that they got it right. That Jesus needs to be both little and Lord. Meaning we need to let him be the personal and the human and the involved in the mess of our lives. The Jesus that understands all of the things we're feeling and all of the things that we're dealing with. And the Jesus that meets us right where we are. But we also need to revere him as the sovereign and all-powerful Lord of the universe at the same time. Because that is when we put ourselves in a position where Jesus is not just our friend but Jesus is our friend who is also the Lord, who can take care of every one of our days, who can take care of every one of our details. And that puts us in a position to actually surrender. If we believe that Jesus is only little, we won't surrender to him. If we believe that Jesus is only Lord, we may not surrender to him because we don't feel like he cares about our details. But we have to believe that he is both the little Lord Jesus to put us into that position to surrender. When we choose to surrender, there are two ways to surrender, and, and this is where we're going to kind of land today. And the first is we can live a partially surrendered life. Now, let me say this. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to live a partially surrendered life. <laughs> so you probably are not, you're probably right now thinking, okay, but this isn't me. Because nobody ever thinks they live a partially surrendered life. That would be, that would be kind of silly. But I think what happens is over time, we kind of slip into it. And we don't realize that we believe in God, but we don't live like it. My campus pastor used to say when I was in college and I was in Kyalfa that your theology has to be your neology. And what he meant by that was, you're telling me all the time, Nicole, that you believe prayer works, but are you doing that? You're telling me all the time that you believe when you give generously, God's going God's to give back, he's going to outgive you, but are you doing that? And that was so challenging to me because I believe that in Luke 6:46 Jesus is telling the story and he's talking about two builders but this is how he begins. He says in verse 46, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say?" Jesus is saying, "Why why are you giving me lip service 
Like, your talk is invaluable to me. Why are you calling me Lord? That word, curios, the control of our destiny, our loving Father, our sovereign King. But then you are living however you want. I, I, I either am your Lord or I'm not. But, but it's not both. And now, like I said, we might disregard this. We might think, okay, but this isn't talking to me. I, I go to church every Sunday and I raise my hands when we say, Lord, you know, I worship you. And surely I'm giving my whole life to Jesus, but we get tripped up so easily. The Bible is so clear about forgiveness, so clear about blessing those who curse you and blessing those who hurt you. So why are you making excuses to hang on to that grudge or that wound? You literally cannot harbor any offense and be fully surrendered to the little Lord Jesus. Scripture talks about tithing to the local church, giving our resources, supporting our missionaries, not hoarding all of the things to ourselves. So why are you acting as if that money is all yours? That is a sign of a partially surrendered life. God says, give, our, give him our best, our time, our focus, our first thoughts, all the time, all the time, even during football season. Don't be mad at me. This is the scripture, okay? Jesus says it, not me. Is he Lord or is he not? He's not trying to be sassy here or passive aggressive, and I'm not trying to make you mad at me before Christmas. I already did that to Joel, so I'm in trouble. <laughs> but this verse is just simply asking and requiring us to pick a side. That Jesus is no part-time Lord, and he doesn't want part-time followers. He says, I need you to pick a side. And what that will mean is it will not always be easy. In fact, it will be hard and it will be expensive at times. But he is saying it is the only way that you can live in freedom. So I want to go back to Luke 9 where Jesus says, deny yourself. He goes on in the next verse. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. When you give your life away, you surrender it. You come under the lordship of Christ. He is the supreme authority. He is the one who says what's right, and he is the one who says what's wrong, and he is the one who is the controller, and he is the Lord of all, and we come under his lordship. And I just want to ask you this morning, what have you not surrendered to the Lord? What, what area of your life are you still trying to get your fingers in and control? It could be your children. It could be your future could be your relationship, your finances, your reputation. could be so many things. But almost all of us, in one way or another, are living a partially surrendered life in some area. But what Jesus wants for us and what Jesus modeled for us is a fully surrendered life. And I love what Paul says in Romans 14, 7 through 8. He says this, For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And what he's saying is we belong to him. Our life is not our own. We surrender to his lordship. We belong to him. And when Jesus shed his blood and died for you, he offered the availability of a free gift to you of salvation. And it's by grace that we are saved through faith. It's not by works so that no one can boast. It's the gift of God given to us. And so we have to remember, salvation costs you nothing, but it cost Jesus everything. 
And so when, when, when you say yes, when you say yes to salvation, when you say, God, come into my life, I want to follow you. I want you to be Lord of my life. When you declare that, you no longer own the rights to your life. Now listen, some of you are saying, that sounds crazy. It is crazy love. It is. It's what Jesus says that we must do. We belong to him. He bought us at a price. We surrender to his lordship. Our life is no longer our own, and we are fully surrendered. And Jesus isn't simply a six-pound, eight-ounce baby. He is the soon-returning, conquering, reigning, ruling, supreme in authority, coming back with a sword with a name written on it. He's the king of kings, and he is the lord of lords, and he means business. He did come in a manger. I love that little moment of the, no bed for a crib and no crying he makes. And that's so sweet and that's so beautiful. But he is saying, I'm not just that. I'm not just little baby Jesus. I'm the little Lord Jesus. And so don't just say, Lord, Lord, and then do whatever you want. You can't do that. If you're a Christian, your life belongs to him. It belongs to him. And there's a really big difference between calling Jesus Lord and surrendering to his lordship. There's a really big difference. And he gave us the free gift of eternal life. And our, the only reasonable response that we can say to Jesus is, hey, thank you for eternal life. So now, like these 80 or 90 years that I get here, here's my life back. Like here, just do with it whatever you want. Just use my days for what you want. Not my will, but your will. Help me not waste years of just doing what I think is important. God, help me give my whole life to you. Whatever you want me to burn my days on, God, I will do it. You can have it. Anything you want to do with my life, it is all yours. That's what a fully surrendered life looks like. God, anything you want to do with my Christmas. God, anything you want to do with 2019. God, it's all yours because you bought my life and you are the Lord of my life and I surrender to you. Would you stand with me this morning? The worship team is gonna lead us. We're gonna sing this song. We're gonna declare that Jesus was both little and Jesus was Lord from the very first day he was born. And I pray that we're gonna sing this song with maybe a different outlook than we ever have. And then we're gonna talk just a tiny bit more. So don't pack up your things yet. Let's sing this together.
before we go today, we're, we're about 48 hours from Christmas. And I believe that Christmas should be one of the most transforming seasons of the year. The whole world turns their attention to Christ's birth. People that ignore it all year long, they pay attention to it this week. Everybody's okay with it when you, when you say it right now. Every other year, every other time of the year, they get upset. But I believe that Jesus is asking us this question. I was Lord when I was born and I am Lord now. Will you fully surrender your life to me? Will you give me every one of your minutes, all of your days, the rest of your years, short or long, because you can trust me? And so just as I was thinking about today and thinking about how we're about to leave this place, you might even have parties to go to, you got shopping to do, you got cookies to bake, but before Christmas comes and, and overwhelms us all, I just, I just want you to take a second and just ask yourself that question. Do you want to fully surrender your life to the Lordship of Christ this Christmas? Do, do you want to? Do, do you want to fully surrender, not just partially? And if you do, I believe that sometimes we have to respond in the natural uh, to what's happening in the supernatural. And so here's what, how we're going to end today. We're going to sing this song. Uh, it's an old hymn called I Surrender. And what I want you to do is if you, if you want to just make a, a physical, natural representation of, Lord, maybe I, uh, I've been partially surrendering, but I feel convicted, or, or God, I just want to keep up with fully surrendering to you. I'm just going to ask you to come right now and just fill this space. This is how we're going to end today's service. Just wholeheartedly, just saying, you know, God, I surrender the things that, that I'm holding on to. Reveal those things to me. I want to give you my whole heart this morning. And so would you just come today? Would you just come down here if, if that's your prayer? And we're just going to sing this song to end today, this song that talks about surrendering. As you come, I'm going to pray, and then Pastor Quint, you can lead us in that. Father God, I thank you so much that you're not just little, but you're Lord. God, I thank you so much that, that you made a way for us to, to have relationship with you. And so I pray, even for those in this room, God, that they would know the Savior and not just the story. God, that even today, if they need to make a, a commitment to you, Father, that they would fully surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus. God, that you would, even right now, just convict their hearts. And God, I pray for us who are trying to live a life to honor you. I pray you would show us the areas of our life that we are not surrendering. God, that you would convict us of those partially surrendered areas. And Father, that we could come to you and say, God, help us just fall under your lordship. God, thank you that you bought us at a price and that our whole lives are for you. And so God, we just pray as we sing this song, it would be our prayer for today and for Christmas Eve and for Christmas Day, God, and for this whole week and into 2019. God, that we surrender our lives to you because you are worthy and you are trusted. And God, you bought us at a price. And Lord, we our, our souls will be full of freedom when our souls are full of surrender. All to Jesus I surrender all To Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily live
we thank you for this week and what it means to us. We thank you that you pushed back the darkness, that you silenced fear when you came as a baby. And so we love you and praise you. We thank you for today and for the opportunity to come together as your church and worship you. Amen.